get open up to Psalm 139? Psalm 139. I've got a very personal message for each one of you today. Because the very subject of it is so personal by God himself. God knows us inside and out. In Psalm 139, he knows us inside and out. Once you find Psalm 139, let's ask God to really speak to us through this in a very personal way, because he's a personal God. Father, I thank you for being so personal. Lord, help us to go out of here like we know you're personal to us, individually. And God, may it be special to us. Help us to realize that you've got the best plan we could ever imagine if we follow you. And Lord, I pray that you would help every heart here today to want to follow you because of this chapter. What an amazing truth in Psalm 139. Help me as I preach it in Jesus' name. Amen. In Psalm 139, look at verse 1. O Lord, thou hast searched me. Every time we see the word me, I want you to say the word out. Thou hast searched what? Me. And known me. So God knows us, doesn't he? He knows he's searched me and he's known me. Now God knows you better than you know yourself. If he's thought about you more than the sand, how many remember that yesterday? If he knows you more than the sand, don't you think he's thought about you more than you know yourself? Because you could never in a trillion years count every pebble of sand on this earth. And then I realized that God actually knew me forever. There was never a time God did not know you were going to be here. Isn't that amazing? He knew you before the foundation of the earth. So that means he knew you for all eternity. So if that's the case, how many believe God knows you better than you know you? Right? And so if this is true, why don't we give our life to somebody who knows us better than we know ourselves? So God knows you more than the sand, as we said yesterday. Now look at verse 2. Thou knowest my, everybody say my, my downsitting and mine uprising, and understandeth my thought afar off. In other words, when I sit down, he knows me. When I get up, he knows me. And then in verse 3, thou compassed my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with how much of my ways. All. So he knows us when we're lying down, when we're awake. There's never a moment, never a second. Think about that for a minute. There's never a second he doesn't know exactly what we need and what's going on. So he knows us inside and out. Look at verse 4. For there's not a word in my tongue, but thou, Lord, knowest it all together. So he knows everything we're saying. And then in verse 5. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me, so he surrounds us. All right? There's, no matter, he's besetting us. All around us, he knows everything about everything. I was driving home one night at 2 in the morning. I was tired. Most people are tired at 2 in the morning. And I fell asleep at the wheel. My car veered to the left, and I'm on a dirt road, and I wake up. And I said, thank you, God, for driving my car for me, <laughs> because I fell completely asleep, 
and there were trees on each side, and I wondered how come I hadn't hit a tree, and it goes to this verse, he has beset me behind and before, and he's laid his hand upon me. You know what, God drove that car from me, and I thought, well, I might have gone 100 feet, you know, turned around to go to where I fell asleep, and I'd gone two miles. And so it is amazing how God knows everything and surrounds us. Look at verse six, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it, which means we can't even begin to think of how precious this is and how wonderful it is that God knows us this much. And then in verse seven, whither means where shall I go from thy spirit? Or where shall I flee from thy presence? In other words, you cannot escape God. There is no escape route. God is there all the time. He sees if your hand is stealing something. He sees, someone says, I'm very careful, I read this, not to shoplift anymore. Because there's hidden cameras everywhere. Well, let me say this. God doesn't need a camera. His eyes run to and fro throughout the earth. So there is a God in heaven who sees and knows us inside and out. Say inside and out. So if this is the case, give yourself to him. A man was stealing a car and he looked in all directions to make sure nobody saw him stealing it. And then he got in, took the wires and somehow, however they, they know how to start a car. And he started it and then he left the parking lot. And as he was leaving, a policeman stopped him. He said, how did you catch me so fast? And the policeman said, take a look up here. And there was a telephone man working on the telephone pole right above where he was stealing the car. Um, he's got the coat hanger now. He's under the dashboard now. He's getting ready to leave. Get him! <laughs> and sure enough, they got him. Now, you see, we can look everywhere. We're looking around us. But how many believe God sees and knows everything, right? And so... A man was stealing some stuff out of an apartment, and he saw a statue of Jesus looking at him. And he reached up and turned it around because he didn't like Jesus looking at him. The next day, they found his fingerprints on the statue of Jesus. And so God knows everything. And that's why he says, search me, O God, in verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me, and know my thoughts. Now, if God knows us this much, shouldn't we say, God, you have a right to search me? If God knows us inside and out, God, then you have a right to search me. You already know me. We have nothing to hide from God. Now look at verse 24. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Isn't it amazing how many me's are in here? God absolutely is personal. Me. The Lord is my shepherd. Everybody say, my shepherd. my shepherd. My shepherd. Isn't it wonderful to know we've got a God in heaven who's shepherding us, who is personal to us this much. And so it is incredible. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Order my steps in thy word. Wow. 
Do you mean God wants to direct our steps? Do you mean he cares about me enough to drive my car when I'm asleep? Do you mean to tell me that we are that special to God, that our steps matter to God? Now, look at Luke 12 with me. Look at Luke 12 for a minute. In verse 7, I tell you, there's not one thing that I think I could ever preach on that's more special than my creator knows me. Now, it's also convicting. But look at Luke 12, 7. And how many believe everything in the Bible is true? Raise your hands real high. So look what this verse says in verse 7. Even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So fear not. If I've counted every hair on your head, why do you have any reason to worry? I'm even, no, every hair on your head. And then he says something after that, fear not, are you not more value than the sparrows? If you go through the whole, you'll see he's talking about sparrows here. But he says, I've counted your hair, and you are more valuable than sparrows. How many believe you're more important to God than a bird is? Now listen carefully to this. You are valuable to God, because he said that. Are you not more value than many sparrows? Now, if he thinks about you more than the sand, don't you think you have value to him to spend that much time on you? <laughs> wow. God is thinking about us. What is man that thou art mindful of him? That God would even think about us when we think of his powerful creation and everything he's made. Who am I that the God who made this whole universe is focused on me so much? He's mindful of us. And not one second goes by without him thinking about you. So he knows us inside and out. And you're more valuable than sparrows. You are not an accident. Everybody say, I'm not an accident. Does anybody have a watch? May I borrow, borrow your watch? Okay, I promise I'll give it back to you. Here's a watch. What is your name? Grayson. Grayson? Here's his watch. You know how we got it? The other day he was walking down the street and out of the sky flew a wristband. He's walking a little further, out of the sky flew a glass plate. He's walking a little further and out of the sky flew some batteries and he got all this stuff that makes up a watch and he caught it from the air and all of a sudden it all came together into a nice watch and he walked away. How many think that's the craziest thing you've ever heard in your life? And the evangelist has gone insane. Okay? Sure it's crazy, but you know when a teacher gets in front of a class and says a bunch of gases all of a sudden came together, whoop, here we are. It's just as silly as that. So you are a a, you are special to God. You're valuable to him. He knows you inside and out. Now, there's a ruby that is so valuable that they can hardly get it in the belly of an airplane, and it's worth billions of dollars. I mean, when you think about God considering you to have value, I want you to understand how valuable that ruby was, but there's no, absolutely no comparison to how you're valuable to God. In fact, if you were to add up all the amounts of money that everybody's made in the whole world, you are more valuable than that. Add up a Lamborghini. Add up a Barchetta car that's worth $17 million. Add up someone who's in a $100 million home and all the homes and the value of it in the world. 
You are more valuable to God than all the income of Trump, Bill Gates, George Soros, Oprah Winfrey, Warren Buffett, Mark Zuckerberg. Add it all up. Add up the salary of every athlete in history, all the NBA players, all the NFL players, Shaquille, Michael Jordan, LeBron, Kevin Durant, Taylor Swift. Add it all up, and you are more valuable than that. How many are glad God cares about you? Raise your hands. Now, it, again, this is convicting and it's encouraging. But you add it all up and take the salary of everyone and you can say, I am more valuable to God than a sparrow. What a great God we serve. Now, we couldn't possibly come up with how much we really could never understand what a unique person you are to God. There's no other you. You are unique. You are an individual that God cares about, and you're special to him for a special purpose. God has something he wants you to do that nobody in the whole world could ever do. And so we're not an accident. Say this, I'm not an accident. I'm not a result of a bunch of gases coming together. God Almighty created me. Now, because he knows us so much, if he knows us that much, what did I talk about yesterday? We ought to listen to God. How many remember that? Raise your hand. We ought to listen to God. Do you know God wants to listen to you? How do we talk to God? We call it prayer. Do you know what prayer is? It's saying, God, I need to pray without ceasing. I need to pray without stopping prayer. Why? Because God says prayer is vital. Prayer is not trying to force God to work for us. When we pray without ceasing, we are saying, God, I've got to depend on you every moment. Without you, I can do nothing. Say nothing. 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 I can't do anything without God. What was my prayer today? God, I can't move their hearts, but you can. And thank God the Bible is a love letter to us so it can move our hearts. Right? I'm weak. I'm not trying to force you by praying without ceasing, but I'm begging you because the Bible says that we're to beg God and we're to go to him over and over again. But here's what happens when we go to God over and over again. We begin to realize how much we need him. And the prayer helps me become dependent on a God who cares this much. He's listening all the time. We ought to realize this. If God Almighty is listening to us, the one who made everything is listening to you. So prayer is not a last resort. To do only when you desperately need him. How many believe we ought to desperately need God all the time? So you say, well, I'll just pray when there's an emergency. Now, I go on airplanes all the time, and you know what I hear? I hear, here is an emergency row. I love sitting in the emergency row because you can have more leg room. But you go in an emergency aisle, they make you follow the rules of teaching you how to open the door if there's an emergency landing. Put your oxygen on first, and then help other people. And they go through exactly what to do if there's an emergency. They teach you how to put the oxygen thing on. I've heard it so many times, I probably would know how to put it on in my sleep. But 
ox, put your ox oxygen mask on, and then they teach you how to open the door so when there's an emergency landing, folks can slide down a ramp. Now, wait a minute. On the plane, they're teaching you, if there's an emergency, how to help. But never look at prayer like it's an emergency door. What do you mean by that? In other words, I'm going to only talk to God when I know somebody announce, is announcing emergency landing coming up. Well, maybe I ought to pray now. Have you ever heard someone say, to the emergency door, I need you every hour. I need you every hour, door. No. Why? Because you need the door when there's an emergency. But how many believe we ought to need God all the time? Every day. Every moment. That's why we sing. Right? What do we sing? I need thee every hour. How about I need thee every second? Say that. I need thee every what? Second. Say it again. Second. You mean one second shouldn't go by where I'm thinking, wow, I've got this second God. <laughs> right? We need God at every moment. Pray without ceasing means if somebody speaks or, or breaks into your house, right? And you wake up at night and you hear noise downstairs, but all your family's upstairs sleeping. What's going on down there? You think somebody broke in. Maybe I ought to pray now. Let's live our life like there's a desperation and there's always somebody breaking in every second and we need God so bad. I need the every hour. I need them every moment. I need to be having an emergency at all times. Why? Because I'm weak. And, and I want you to understand something. Think of all the things now that could ruin your life in one second. And only take a second and everything has changed. One second. I need God. Why? Shoot a bullet. I don't even know if that was a second. I got so mad at the guy, I shot him. Boop! One second, prison sentence, or maybe death penalty. You get in a serious accident from drinking, right? Uh, many of you don't drive yet, and many of you don't drink, but I'm going to tell you, it's just illustrating to you that somebody could kill someone or, or kill themselves because of a drink. How about this? Um... Not wearing your safety belt. I had an 18-wheel truck. And do you know what? This really happened to me. I hit this 18-wheel truck, and my seat belt was on. Thank the Lord. And when I hit the truck, uh, my face was against the glass, bloody. But it didn't go through the glass like the girl that played the piano. Remember that? My face didn't go, my body didn't fly through the glass because I had my what on, everybody? Seatbelt. Now, one second. I'm putting the seatbelt on if you don't know. How long did that take? Maybe a second or two? And I could make a decision, I don't need that. And God says, you need it. It's going to protect you. But one second of making a wrong decision, 
I don't need it. Just let me get in the car and start driving. And if I would have hit that 18-wheel truck and my face was against the glass all kind of bloody and my neighbor saw me and she said, I got to go get your wife. And, my, and she was frantic and she said, your husband's in a horrible accident. And, <laughs> and so my wife, who's sitting back here, everybody say, hi, Donna. <laughs> She'll tell you, she was so nervous that night, wondering what happened to my husband and all this. But one second of putting a seatbelt on made all the difference. One second. In New Hampshire, I used to live in New Hampshire. Guess what happened? They were going boating as a family. And all of a sudden, they just, some of the, uh, the, the children of the, his name was Dave Morrill, and the children, Arthur Morrill, the children were swimming. And all of a sudden, this boat was coming by very fast and didn't see them. Watch this. He screamed out, duck! And they went way down underwater instantly when they heard the word duck. Why? Because they had been used to listening and obeying the father. And guess what? The boat didn't kill him. And within one second, they went down. Is that how we should obey God every second? Is that how we should say, God, I need thee every second? I think we ought to change the hymn, I need thee every second. Because look what can happen in one second. Where we're so used to obeying quickly, dark, boom! Wow, we need God. Uh, cheating on an exam. How long would that take? Watch. Right? You see what they're writing down? You look at it and you write it down. Maybe two seconds. And then all of a sudden, you're expelled from school or maybe have to stay back a whole grade. Why? One second. We need God. We need God. Over and over. How many would agree? Raise your hands real high. We need God. He knows us. He wants us to listen to him, but he wants us to go to him constantly in prayer to him. Now, I want you to come back to Psalm 139, and I want to show you in Psalm 139, verse 4, an amazing verse here as well. In Psalm 139, verse 4, Speaking of how much God knows us and cares about us, he mentions something in verse 4 that I thought, wow, I better park on this a minute. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. All right? I want you to do me a favor, okay? I want your, what was your name again? Land? Land. Okay. I want you to tell this brother in front of you right here, turn around and see him. I know you don't want to look at him, but go ahead. And I want you to say something bad about Morris Tyree to him right now. He's unfair. He's a terrible teacher. Well, just something, something. We don't want to hear it, by the way. <laughs> uh, you're talking against Brother Tyree to him right now. There's not a word that God doesn't know whatsoever not a word 
You mean God Almighty saw that what you just said against Morris Tyree to him? Yep. Now hang on. Bless them who persecute you and curse not. Romans 12. Jesus was the perfect example of this. He left heaven, came down to earth, and died the worst death known to man. He came as a lamb to the slaughter and opened not his mouth. He never used his tongue to retaliate. How many of you are glad our Savior loves us? Now hang on. The crown of thorns. Big thorns, not like the little thorns we see here when we garden. They're big ones in Jerusalem. And they made that crown and they put it on his head and picked up sticks from the ground and beat it into his head. And Jesus was God and he was perfect. How many believe in him was no sin, right? And he had all this happen to him because he loves you and wanted to save you. So they beat that crown of thorns into his head till the blood was dripping down his face and he never said one word. No retaliation. That's not all. Um... They took a cat of nine tails, nine straps coming out of one whip, and they connected glass, metal, and broken bones of their former victims, and they would come into my Savior and beat him and pull it each time. 39 hits like that. And he never said one word. Not one word. Is that all they did to him? No, they spit in his face. The Bible says that they, they hit him so hard that his face was more marred than any other man. And they beat him. I imagine his nose was broken. All kinds of horrible things happened to his face because he was more marred than any other man. And he never said a word. All right? That's not all. Wow. You mean he loves me this much? No, he did some other things for you that is incredible. I mean, they not only beat us back until his skin was all hanging in ribbons, but time to wear your robe, royalty. And they went up to him and they put that robe on his back. And the Bible says later they ripped the robe off of him. Can you imagine that robe being ripped off your back? And he still never said one single word. Why? No retaliation. Is that the end of it? No. Time to carry a cross. And he had to climb that hill, having lost all the blood from the beatings. And they put him down on that tree, and they spiked his hands and spiked his feet. And when they picked up the cross, it must have dropped awful hard on the ground because every bone in his body pulled out a joint. And then he said one thing, Father, what? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, he's the perfect example of a wonderful God who never retaliated, never said one word. And what does this verse say? There's not a word in my tongue, but Lord, thou knowest it all together. Do we always have to retaliate? Go to prayer and say, God, they might bully me, but I'm going to turn, I'm going to absolutely not bully back because it accomplishes nothing but make things worse. So God will help you to have the attitude, deliver us from evil, but I need to put you first. I need power from you to make me what I ought to be with my tongue. So I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going, I'm not going to, I'm going to pray that, that, that when somebody makes me angry, I'm not going to spit back. I am going to ask God 
to guard my tongue because there's not a word in my mouth that he does not know. Prayer makes you submissive to what God wants. When you pray, you're thinking about God. Hallowed be thy name. And somebody might give you a horrible thing might, they might do to you. And the Bible teaches pray for your enemies. How are we going to do this? God, there's not a word in my tongue, but thou knowest it altogether. And God, help me in my talk. Help me to realize that you love me so much that you came as a lamb to the slaughter and you opened not your mouth. How many believe we need real love in our Christian schools? You know what the answer is? God knows you. Say, God knows me. Go ahead. And he personally knows you so much that you ought to say every day, God, don't let my entire life be ruined because of one second of doing something and my whole future goes down the drain. And it can, by the way. Now, God is merciful, and he always helps us. He forgives us. But there's some things you might do in a second where there's no way to escape the horrible consequences of it. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you know us all together. And Lord, as I said earlier, it's very, very wonderful and precious to know that our God cares about you individually. How many of you are glad he loves you that much? Raise your hands. Now let me ask you something. If God knows you trillions of times more than you know yourself, would you say today, God, guard my tongue. God, help me to live in prayer. God, help me to depend on you more than I ever have. And you know God spoke to you about that today and so that it will control your tongue, your actions. I want God, I want to love him so much because he first loved me. I want to love God so much because he thought about me more than the sand. And I want to make sure that I'm surrendering to him for the rest of my life, not to ruin it in one second. Would you stand up? That's my desire. Just stand up. I don't want to wreck my whole life in one second. Yes. Amen. How many would make a decision today to say, I want to pray more. I want God to depend on God more. Would you stand? All those that are standing. All right, we're saying, God, help me. God, I need you. God, I can't do it without you. Now, I realize that, you know, we have to come to God because without him we can do nothing. So would you pray right now in your heart, God, help me to be submissive. Help me to realize how much you love me to take the time out to think about me more than anything in the world. If you were the only person in the whole world, God would think about you and care about you. Thank you. you may be seated. Lord, it, it does puzzle me a little bit. What would hold anybody back from surrendering to you because you had all eternity to think about us. Lord, if there's anybody indifferent in this school that just heard me, I pray that you would bring it in their ears over and over again. Thou knowest me all together. Search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Lord, 
you've got to do the work in us. We've heard it. We've heard about how we're so special to you, how we're valuable more than the sparrows. But God, I beg you that not one life that heard this today would be ruined down the road because of how wonderful you are. And Lord, if we have come to the place where we've made some bad decisions, help us to come to you and cry for mercy and come like 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. I believe God wants to do a work in your heart today because of how special you are to him. And would you pray this, dear God, help me never to forget what you did on the old rugged cross. 